You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Morphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, aka Murph, and I am here to give tips and information about group bicycling and bicycle touring with a focus on the Midwest and hopefully provide some entertainment for you as well. Well, with me today is Adrian Martin. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Kathy. Good to have you on the podcast. Well, today uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some adventures that Adrian has been on. First off, I wanted to ask you where you live and what bicycling is like there. Okay, well, I live like halfway in between Memphis and Nashville, um, right along Interstate 40, just to pinpoint it is Jackson, Tennessee. Oh, okay. Um, and it's sort of in between the transition in between the flats of the Mississippi and the rolling hills of Middle Tennessee over into the mountains of West of East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's it has a fairly decent cycling community. Um, there's a club here in town that I ride with quite a bit. And are you mostly on trails, mountains, roads? What kind of terrain are you used to? Almost exclusively road. I've not ridden much mountain or it's almost all road. Okay, okay. Um, we don't have a lot of trails here, like a rails to trails or anything. So it's mostly road, but they're low, low traffic roads. So it's. Yeah, I was going to say is, you know, is if you've lived there a while, you've probably found the good low traffic roads so that you at least feel semi safe on the road. Yeah, no doubt. That's most of the time we spend riding on, you know, low traffic roads. And I've lived here all my life. So I'm fairly familiar with it. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, been there all your life, you probably um, can teach other people where to go, um, which brings me to my next question. Um, you, I believe that you lead tours through adventure cycling. Is that true? That is correct. That yep. is like a dream job for a lot of people who listen to this podcast. Like, you get to ride your bike and lead people and go amazing places and probably get paid for it. I do. I feel very <laughs> blessed. Yes, I do. I, I really enjoy it. So. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, like, you know, what you, what your role is, you know, where you go, all that good stuff. Uh, well, um, Adventure Cycling this year will lead about 109 tours all over the U.S. and Alaska and Hawaii. So. We do a lot of different tours of different support level. It sort of depends. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the tours we do are self-contained. In those, there'll just be one leader. I ride sweep in the back and just sort of make sure the tour continues going. And then we do also do van supported with two leaders. And there we alternate one time, one day, one leader rides sweep and the other leader drives the van. So in those, you don't have to carry all your gear. Mm-hmm. Um, the van carries your gear and sets up the campsite and everything. We do mostly camping on both of the tours. Okay. And um, obviously, I know a self-supported ride is the Transamerica because I've interviewed a couple people that do that through um, adventure cycling maps. Um, but what are the length of most of the rides that you are part of? It varies. Most of the tours we do are only eight days, which allows people just, you know, on vacation to, you know, to take off eight days. But um, we do epics. Um, So the um, Trans Am is the longest one. It's a 93 day. Mm -hmm. And then um, there are several different ones. There's a a southern tier, which is 
shorter. I think it's it's right around 63 days. And then I just finished up the Pacific Coast. It's a 41-day tour. Oh, nice. Um, it starts up in the Canadian border and goes down to the Mexican border. Oh, wow. Um, do you get to do all kinds of different tours, or are you doing the same tour every every year? Um, no, we, we, we do different ones. Um, it just depends. You know, every year we switch around, you know, everybody just says which tours they're interested in doing and then the tourist department you know matches them up with people that are compatible and can do them so it can change every year um i have uh, some more tours planned next year so mm-hmm. um, it's if you think about it you know um i think about when i have vacation time where i'm going to ride my bike which you know is exactly why adventure cycling exists so when you go on vacation, do you also think about a bike ride or do you think about, man, I am going to stay home and sit on my couch for a whole week? <laughs> oh, no. I'm usually riding my bike. Yeah. I love going over to um, Smoky Mountains and riding up to Clingman's Dome, which is the highest point in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Um, which is a really, really fun ride up and down. And But yes, I'm usually having my bike with me. <laughs> Well, how did you decide, you know, there must have been some point in your life when you decided that you enjoyed long distance tours or like what, what was it in back in the time that just made you decide you want to do long distance tours? Uh, that's an interesting question. I've always talked about doing a, a long tour and, you know, you talk and talk about it. And I finally decided that this is as good a time as any. So. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I quit my job that I was doing at the time and headed out. I had only done just one overnight trip. So, Wow. uh, You know, that's kind of a common comment that people make when they say they go on their first epic long tour. They have minimal experience before doing it. But like you said, you can talk about it, you know, forever and ever. But sometimes you just got to make the leap and do it. Yeah, yeah, that's something that definitely you can, I mean, you can um, tailor your miles to whatever you're feeling like and, you know, ride yourself in shape. It's not something that, you know, if, you know, you have to um, kill yourself right from the get-go. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, I have had a pretty extensive experience in hiking, so that's where I sort of transitioned over. Okay. Most of the gear I had, um, my brother and sister used to do a hiking trip every year. We'd hike through the Grand Canyon, Yosemite, Glacier, so I have done quite a bit of hiking, and most of the gear that I used in hiking, I used on my bike. Okay, know, so. that makes sense. That's a, yeah. a good transition, too. Um, you yeah. know, except that you can get a lot further on your bike and see a lot you more. You can get a lot further, but it's also a good transition because I think that's one reason I was um, usually ride quite a bit lighter than a lot of people because I'm sort of packing for a pack, which is, you know, 30 pounds is about all you want to carry on that. So Smart. We need to do a whole podcast on your gear so that people can, or at least me, let me just speak for myself. I always have like 60, 70 pounds of gear and you know, you, you try so hard, like, do I really need this? And for some reason, you know, when I get on that bicycle, it still weighs as much as I, I don't want it to weigh. Yeah, it's interesting, because everything doesn't weigh that much by itself. But once you combine it all together, isn't that the (laughs) truth? It adds up. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast was to talk about, you mentioned um, before we started recording that you did a solo long distance tour that probably not very many people can say they've done. So um, I won't spoil it all, but I can say it was thousands and thousands of miles. So give us some highlights of that, maybe how you decided to do that trip and whatever you want to tell us about it. Okay. Well, um, yes, I would just, I wanted, I had several different place points I wanted to hit. I wanted to go to Maine. I wanted to go out to the West Coast, ride down the West Coast, and I wanted to ride back home. So I wanted to make a complete circle. So I just sat down on my computer with Google Maps on bike route and just sort of sketched out a, a rough outline for it. And so and all your tour was within the United States? It was, yes. Oh, awesome. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So- and you decided to do this solo? I did. Um, I would love to have somebody with me, but when you say I'm going to go a 10,000 mile trip, there's just no hands go up. So <laughs> they probably, they probably, <laughs> the hands go up, but nobody can actually take the time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people want to, but people have stuff going on. And I, at this point in my life, I didn't. So I was able to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say 10,000 miles, do you actually mean you went on a bicycle 10,000 miles? Um, the trip ended up being about 10,210 miles. Wow. That is amazing. And where was your starting point and where was your ending Uh, point? Well, I started and ended at my house. Okay. Yes, which which is what I wanted to do. Um, So I could ride out my lane, you know, and and that was a good feeling, especially coming back home. But um, I'll just give you a rough outline of the route I took. I went down to – I'm only about uh, 60 miles from the Natchez Trace. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I rode over there and rode down the Natchez Trace, um, sort of down to New Orleans, um, across the Gulf, over just north of Jacksonville, um, and then up the East Coast to Maine, and then across the northern U.S. out to Washington. Um, And then I took a ferry up to Vancouver, spent a couple days up there. So I did get into Canada, I guess. It was not all in the U.S., but it's a short short stretch there and then rode the west coast down to um monterey that year if you don't know if you remember but the one was closed at big Sur because of a mudslide oh, okay that happened in may of 2017 so i couldn't ride along the coast there since that road was closed so i ended up i was planning on going on down to um los angeles and catching route 66 mm. back um but I couldn't, so I had to cut over a little bit. So I cut over a little early, went through Death Valley, Las Vegas, and then dropped down and got Route 66 back to Oklahoma and then just sort of worked my way back to um, Tennessee. Wow. That is, I mean, that's epic with all capitals. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a spe- it was a great trip. Wow. How long did it take to do this? Um, it took about... I started April the 2nd and finished up in September the 16th. Oh, okay. 26th. September the 26th. Okay. I was envisioning this taking years, but you were, I mean, you were on a mission, so you were definitely, uh, did you did you take a bunch of rest days or not too many? Um, I normally took one about once a week. Yeah. 
was getting pretty good mileage while I was riding. So, and you mentioned uh, like the Natchez Trace, um, which is a trail. But uh, what was the terrain mostly like? Were you on, you know, are you a guy that is not afraid of um, fast cars driving by you? Well, I sort of got used to it (laughs) on the trip, but um, I tried to ride, you know, smaller routes. But most of the route wasn't like I did ride some of the adventure cycling routes, Um, the northern tier. I rode some sections of that. So those were, you know, uh, better roads. Um, I used a lot of Google um bike mm-hmm. bike mode or whatever where you can switch it over to bike and it does a good job of keeping you off you know the busiest road sure but it was mostly back roads um i rode some roads that were a little bit busier than i would have liked but yeah um, didn't have any bad experiences or anything that's so. yeah that's good so when you're thinking um or when listeners are thinking you know this was a 6 month tour and you probably were not working because you're on your bike every day. So how did you make ends meet? Like, how did you, were you pretty good with, um, say, you know, not spending too much money each day? Um, yes, I tried to it sort of became a goal. I mean, I had some money saved up, so it wasn't the, um, so I had a little bit, but, um, I, the goal was when I started out, I was going to get a hotel once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I went over that a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but I did mostly camp, which is fairly cheap, especially when you get out in the West. A lot of um, the West, you can camp in city parks for free, North Dakota, Montana areas, and back coming back in Oklahoma. And so I did mostly camping, and I um, normally cooked um, at my campsite every night, so that mm-hmm. saved saved on that. Yeah, so obviously your biggest expenses are going to be lodging if you choose to stay at hotels and, of course, food. But then also if um, you have any bike mechanical issues, um, I would assume that you are pretty savvy with being able to fix your bike. But did you have any mechanical issues while you're on the road? Um, That trip, I didn't have anything that, you know, sidelined me. Um, I did have to make some repairs. I had a bottom bracket replaced in you know, it's 8,000 miles in, so bottom bracket replaced in Las Vegas um, and stuff like that, which is fairly expensive, especially, you know, if you're getting it on the road. But no other big repairs. Um, I learned to check my chain pretty often and keep my chain um, replaced, so that helps not wear your cassette and stuff out. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, well, I know this is, you know, 10,000 miles is a long ways to go but did, do you recall any like favorite places that you visited that you'd recommend people bike through oh yeah um there's a bunch of them i'll just go over a few of them um yeah. i really love the outer banks in north carolina mm. um they're really pretty um up bar harbor in maine uh, acadia national park um acadia it's acadia national park i guess is it called yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really spectacular. It has a lot of carriage trails um, that were built at the turn of the century. For um, it's when there were, that was owned by the Rockefellers, so they had a lot of money up there. They didn't like the cars were starting to use the main roads and scaring their horses, so they built a series of carriage trails all around, and they're absolutely spectacular. Oh, um, wow. Wide gravel with a nice, um, even grade um, all over the park. So that's a really spectacular park. I spent some time up there 
And then um, the Oregon coast is really nice. Um, it's probably the prettiest section of the of the West Coast. I really enjoyed that. And are you pretty good with like hills when you have all your gear on your bike, or do you, like did you notice significant amount of hills? Um, the the route I actually did did not have as many hills as like the um, Trans Am does mm-hmm. going through Colorado, but. Um, the hardest hills probably were in the um, northeast, just mm-hmm. because they're steeper. Um, I didn't. The first two thousand miles were pretty flat because I went down south and then stayed corner sort of along the coast coming up. So I sort of rode myself into shape. But by the time I got, I remember some hard days in Connecticut were some hard days just because the hills were straight up and down. But you were also uh, pretty smart with your gear. Like you mentioned, you had uh, a lot less weight than most people doing 10,000 miles would have on their bike. Um, yes, I only had rear rear panniers, which was about um, 25 pounds. Um, oh, wow. That was, that's not the, including the bike, just the gear, about 25 pounds. And, um, of course, that was without food and water. So that would fluctuate a little bit. Uh, when you look at uh, the six months, you know, anything crazy happen as far as, you know, we already talked a little bit about mechanical issues, but, you know, crazy traffic or weather or interesting people you met? <laughs> oh, I met a lot of interesting people. No question about that. Um, I really like the Adirondacks. It's sort of a, a remote area in New York. I mean, it's you think in New York City, it's nothing like that. Um I remember one day, it was Memorial Day weekend, it was actually Memorial Day, and I was riding, coming down off of a hill, and there's some guys out there um, just, you know, having a party, drinking some beers, and they holler at me, so I slow down and turn around, come back and hung out with them a little bit, it's just, that's, that's the stuff you remember, you know, hanging out with these guys, they were really interesting people, no doubt. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by MooseTreksBikepacking.com. One great new product is the Pannier Bag Set. Each has a 13-liter capacity, and each pannier opens completely from the front, so you can have access to all your stuff. Check out the Moose Treks Pannier Set on Amazon and enter promo code MORPHOLOGY to get 20% off. Now back to the show. Did you ever get lost, or it probably maybe you were okay getting lost because you could just redirect yourself. Yeah, I did a pretty good job of, of staying on course. Um, I, I, I don't, nothing major that I actually remember. So it wasn't too bad, but, but Mm -hmm. I I didn't, I'm pretty good with maps and stuff. And I did use adventure cycling maps when I was on their route um, out in, Montana and North Dakota. So that helped me out. Those are remote areas. So it's very helpful. In the east, you know, there's gas stations and stuff pretty often. But when you get out there, you sort of want to know where you're, you're going to camp and where you're, you're going to get water because you know, it can be there's one stretch there. It's about 89 miles that I remember that had no nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I ran out of water that that stretch. I was going to say, I think I would, that would be a little bit scary. Yeah, I was, I thought I was fine. I had enough water. And then as the day progresses, it gets warmer. And then the, when the wind kicks up, that's when you're really in trouble. <laughs> so 
So I ran out of water about 20 miles before I got to the town, but there was some houses out there. So I just walked up to a house and, and they were able to give me some water. So, Sure, that's good, yeah. Well, do you want to uh, maybe briefly describe your bike setup? Sure. I mean, you mentioned, you know, you had two back bags, but, um, you know, what kind of bike did you have? Sure. Um, I thought um, it's just, it's a giant anti-road. Um, I don't think they even make it anymore. It's, it's like a cyclocross bike designed for sort of gravel racing. So oh, it's sure. like an entry level for that. But it does have um, places to, to put racks. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that's and it was a good bike. I mean, it, and it has disc brakes, so you can put a little bit bigger tires. I rode thirty twos, um, which isn't massive, but I was able to ride. I did ride like some sections of the Erie Canal Trail, which are crushed gravel, um, and in Wisconsin, I rode some sections of of some trails that were sort of you know off road, um, mm-hmm. and was able to do it. But, and then, yeah, I just had, um, I, I have re- since, when I did the Trans Am this summer, I added front packs just because we carry a little bit more gear as a leader because we have a larger tool kit and, and a first aid kit that we carry. Mm-hmm. So I added some front packs. So I had a little heavier setup this time. But And still the same bike, though? Still the same bike, yes. Oh, great. Yep. Yeah. It's always nice when you find a bike that you that fits you and it treats you right. Yeah, I've got about close to 20,000 touring miles on that bike now, I think. So. Gee, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you know, besides this uh, solo 10,000 miler, um, because of your work, you've been on all kinds of tours. So do you have like a favorite you could share with the listeners? Sure. Um, I did the Trans Am this summer and that that's a really great tour if i'd recommend anybody you know has a couple three months off and wants to ride across america that's the one i would recommend um it it gets you through a lot of diverse area and and really beautiful out on the west you run through colorado and wyoming which i had not spent a lot of time in and it's just gorgeous yeah i would really recommend Hmm. that and um, I've never actually seen them, but with Adventure Cycling, um, you can get some pretty uh, detailed maps that will keep you on the right path. Yes. Um, there is, all over the U.S., there's like 48,000 miles of map routes all over. Wow. Um, there's three of them that go across, like I said. There's a southern tier, a northern tier, and the Trans Am. Those are the two big three that go across, and then there's a west coast and east coast and then there's all kinds of smaller little trails um little routes all over um that go north mm-hmm. and south and all over yeah yeah it's there's a pretty extensive um mapped it's these are mostly roads but it's you know mapped and very easily to follow and gives you all your camping and all your information you need that's awesome that's awesome well, uh, do you have any adventures on the horizon or any new uh, tours that you are scheduled for? Um, I will be going to Death Valley in March, mm. um, doing two tours there, two smaller tours there. Um, those are van-supported tours since it's not much there, so it's almost have to do van-supported. And then in July, I'm doing what we call Great Parks North, which I'm really looking forward to. starts in the headquarters in Missoula, Montana, and goes up to Jasper. 
Oh, okay. Up in Alberta. So that's going to be, that's a 20 day tour. Oh, okay. And then I'll wrap up in November. I'm going to do a ride. We start in Fort Lauderdale and go down to Key West. Ooh, that's a good ride. Yeah. yeah so that should be nice. This next, be next um, winter. So. Ah. Well, if somebody's interested in learning more about adventure cycling or checking out the maps that we talked about, is there an easy place for them to go? Sure. Just go to adventurecycling.org. Oh, easy enough. Adventurecycling.org. That's it. Awesome. Well, Adrian, this has been awesome. I appreciate you being on the podcast. And um, I don't know that if I I could pull off a 10,000-mile tour, but the more people I talk to about the Trans Am... I'm like, ugh, I got to, instead of talking about it, I just need to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Just get out and ride. You'll love it. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. All right. Thank you. Well, how about a touring tip? Let's talk ways to become a stronger cyclist. When you're on a tour, faster doesn't necessarily mean better. Most cyclists on a tour want their bodies to be able to pedal long distances for many days. To do this, your body has to be conditioned to sit long hours in the saddle and to use the same group of muscles for long periods of time. So here are a few suggestions to become a better version of you on a bicycle. First is working your core. Adding sit-ups or any sort of ab work to your routine will pay off significantly. The stronger your core is, the easier it is for your body to stay in alignment while you pedal. Yoga is another activity that will build up your core. Holding poses builds up strength in those core muscles, and yoga also gives you the opportunity to stretch your whole body. Another way to improve is to incorporate a few bursts into your bike rides. For example, if you're out on an easy 20-mile ride, try pedaling really fast for 15 to 20 seconds and then go back to your usual pace. Do this every couple of miles and then on future rides as you feel stronger, do this every mile. And then you can think back to that first time you tried it and how out of breath you may have been or how much your legs burned. After doing these intervals, you'll notice a difference in your recovery time. And as you feel stronger, up your average speed on regular bike rides by one mile an hour. It's easier than you think to increase by such a small amount of speed, and the longer you can maintain it, the stronger you'll be. Riding your bike instead of driving is another easy way to become a better cyclist. You may have to get creative and more organized with your time, but that's a win-win if you do. I'm sure there are times when you jump in the car to run a quick errand when you could have jumped on the bike instead. Those short rides add up to stronger muscles over time. Commuting to work adds on the miles too. It does take a little prep work and most likely a bit more time than driving, but I can tell you firsthand your mood will be much lighter when arriving by bike versus car, not to mention the calories you burn doing it. Even riding partway has its benefits, especially if cycling the whole way isn't practical or safe. Another suggestion is to set a mileage goal. It can give you an extra boost to make the decision to ride your bike, even though it might be too cold out or it might be raining. Be sure to keep your running mileage total visible. Remember, you are the only obstacle in the way of reaching that goal. Big goal or small goal, any goal can help keep you on track. If you have a few favorite routes you ride often, try to incorporate a few new turns that involve a hill or two. As you get stronger, those hills won't seem as steep, and you may even start to enjoy those climbs. 
As you know, hills make you fit, so don't avoid them if you want to get stronger. And another way to become stronger is to ride with someone who is faster than you. Start out on shorter rides because you're going to be pushing yourself to keep up and you don't want to lose your confidence. As you get stronger, you'll be just fine going further. And who knows, you may soon become the faster rider. One last idea is to time yourself. Whether it's a specific route or segment or even one of those killer hills, time yourself every time you do it and strive to beat your best time. Shaving off a few seconds each time will eventually add up to minutes. It will also add up to a stronger, more fit you. Any and all miles add up, and the more effort you put in, the more progress you will make at becoming a stronger cyclist. The fitter you become, the more enjoyable long-distance cycling will be. That's this week's touring tip. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Check out morphologypodcast.com to find all kinds of great info and email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate your time today and thanks for tuning in to listen to the Morphology Podcast. I will leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from one of my favorite childhood authors, Shel Silverstein. If you are a bird, be an early bird. If you are a worm, sleep late. Think about it.